0: Paul says here in Romans chapter 13, verse 11 and that and that, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. But I want to go back up to verse 11. And that, and I'm going to focus on this verse here, and that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. I'm going to ask you a question this morning as I get going. Do you know the time? Do you know what time it is? Do you realize the time day and time that we're living in as Christians and that's my question and I'm hopefully Lord willing will be able to answer that as we go through this service do you know what time it is Paul says there in that knowing the time that now it is high time high time to wake out of sleep well if in Paul's day it was high time I'm telling you brothers and sisters today it's past time it's past time to start waking up we need to wake up we need to wake up and realize what's going on around us do you know what time it is? Well, it's a time of sleeping Christians. That's found there in that verse. It's a time of sleeping Christians. And that knowing the time that it is now, high, now time, that it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. He's saying that now it's getting closer and closer for Jesus Christ to come back. Our salvation is Jesus Christ coming back. That's our redemption. Our bodies are still not redeemed. Our soul is redeemed. We're going to go to heaven, but we need this body redeemed. We need to be took out of this body, given a new body. We need Jesus Christ to come back. And it's that time, and it's past time. And we need to wake up out of sleep. It's a time, this day and age we're living in, brothers and sisters, a time of Christians slumbering and sleeping while the devil is busy working. He's working. And he's working to destroy what you find most precious. The world might not think this is very precious, but to me as a Christian, I found these, these things very precious to me. I find my country precious to me. I find my liberty precious to me. I find my family precious, precious to me. And I find the church, my body of believers that I go to every Sunday and Wednesday night. And I, I, I go to y'all's house and y'all come over to my house. Those four, the the. the country, the liberty, the family, the church, those are four things that are very, very precious to me, and the devil is out to destroy those. And as Christians, we fell asleep, we fall asleep, we're not paying attention to what the devil's doing, and he's killing it, and he's destroying it from the inside out. With the family, he's destroying it from the inside out. There's not You can't hardly find a kid that doesn't have a cell phone. Now, us old ones, we understand what I mean. When, there used to be a day where the phone was up on the wall and had a cord to it. And you, the, if somebody called you, you can call them. And it, if you found anything nasty, you had to find it in a trash can where somebody threw it away in the trash. Any magazines like that or anything like that. They didn't show stuff like that on TV. Now you've got a telephone. You've got this device in your pocket that your kid has access to some of the most nastiest stuff you could ever dream of and imagine instantly. Talk to people you don't want them talking to. There's people that you, you if you were in an environment, you wouldn't let your, your kids talk to that stranger, but they're listening to that stranger and talking to that stranger every day on a cell phone. It's a different time. And we need to be diligent as Christians to watch over this stuff and realize, hey, don't be sleeping around. You need to be uh, sleeping around in a sense of falling asleep and, not, and slumbering. You need to be awake and realize the devil's at war, and you're at war. And the devil's out to get you. And the devil's out to get your church. He's out to get your family. He's out to get your liberty. And he's out to get this country. And he's doing a pretty good job of it. And the Christians have fell asleep in this country, and we've allowed them to get away with this stuff and to get away with this stuff. And when stuff, what amazes me, when stuff in this country starts turning on Christianity, how many of these so called Christians jump ship off the ship of Christianity and start swimming over to some island of the devil? They don't care about it, they're just along for the ride. Hey, if I go out and knock doors, if I go out and knock doors and say, and ask them, and just ask a simple question, are you a Christian? 99% of the answers are yes. Then where are you at? You're not in church, what are you doing? You're not doing nothing for the Lord. You get what I'm saying here, they're asleep, they're slumbering, and it's a time of war. Hey, as a Christian, you become a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, you switched sides you were an enemy at God, and now you're no longer an enemy. You're part of the family, and guess what's going on right now? We're in a war. You don't believe me? Look at verse 12. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Take off your PJs and put on the armor. Paul didn't say you need to put on your, PJ, your PJs of light. It's time to take it easy and put on your house coat. was one of the first things Brother Eubanks asked for. his broken up ribs. Brother Ronnie, do you have a house coat I can use? He wanted just to just lounge around. And there's a time to lounge around. The guy's hurt. He's got broken ribs. I wouldn't even want to, I, I want to deal with that. But brothers and sisters, that's not the, this isn't the time for that. This isn't the time for PJs. This is the time for the armor of light. See, an armor of light an armor tells you that you're at strife. You're at war. That you've got things that's going on in your life in this world we need to wake up from and not be so uh, careless about what the devil's doing and and have our eyes open. It's a time of sleeping Christians. When I go out street preaching, and uh, I go out actually street preaching, one of the things that the Lord's laid on my heart to do is to, when I see them all lined I'll I'll be out at the corner and I'll see them pull up in their cars, they're all lined up in their cars and I see them out there and some of them are half asleep and, and you're over there and you're saying, you know, Jesus Christ Is a King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and you see them over there, and they're yawning, and you know, just so. What I'll do is I'll start getting even louder. Wake up, wake up, you slumbering Christians! I'll say that. Wake up, wake up. We need, we need to wake up. It's, it's all around us. And it amazes me when somebody comes over here and says, uh, uh, Brother Keegan, did you hear what's going on over, with, uh, with this, this, over here with this situation? And I'll, I'll think, it's only been going on for 10 years, and you're just now finding out? Wake up, man, wake up. Find out what's going on in your life. Listen to me. This is the scariest part of this time we're living in. Turn to Isaiah 56, I'll show you. Isaiah, this is what's scary about the time we're living in. This is what gets me all stirred up. Isaiah 56 and I'm going to get a little stirred up this morning. I got, a, I, got a little, I got a little letter I want to read you. Isaiah chapter 56 verse 10. I'm going to get a little stirred up this morning probably because we're always getting... Uh, something's always coming up. Something's always, <laughs> people are always sending us uh, emails. They'll send us stuff like that. I've, I've been attacked at this church. But the worst attacks I get being a Bible-believing Christian is comes from other so- so-called Christians. And we're living in a time, I'm going to say this, and some of y'all are going to be took back that I say this, but everything I'm going to show you, and I'm going to prove it to be true, we're living in a time of pastors who are blind, ignorant, sleeping, greedy dogs. we got pastors, we got people behind the pulpits in so-called churches, and these pastors are nothing but blind, ignorant, sleeping, greedy dogs. And I'm going to show you the verse to prove what I'm preaching to you this morning. Look at Isaiah 56. Look at verse 10. God's talking about the watchmen. The watchmen of Israel. Look at these guys. These are the, 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 the prophets of the time. The people that are supposed to be the preachers of the time. His watchmen are blind. They're all ignorant. They're all dumb dogs that cannot bark. See, I said that stuff. and this right there in the scripture. They're blind. They're ignorant. This they're, 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 they're ignorant on purpose. They don't want to know the truth. They don't want to know the truth about Bible translations. They don't want to know the truth about what the Bible says about whatever sin that the world's dealing with. They, it's easier just to sweep it under the rug because if you don't sweep it under the rug and you preach it like it's supposed to be preached, you're going to offend somebody, number one. And number two, they're going to leave the church. And number three, oh, and this is the most important one, you're going to lose some money. <laughs> you can't make money preaching the Word of God if you're going to preach it right. You've got to have some strong, a strong Bible-believing church that's got some strong believers before a pastor can be an actual pastor and so, okay, I'm going to be a full-time pastor. When you look at the Joe Osteens and the Kenneth Copelands and these fakers you see sometimes, some of these on TV, they're not preaching the word of God. They're pastors that are blind and ignorant and look at this, this is one I want to point out there are dumb dogs that cannot bark. Dumb dogs, not dumb in a sense of mental, but dumb in a the sense they can't speak. So these guys and I want to say this and I'm not trying to be offensive, but I want to just tell you the truth these guys, these pastors are such sissies that not only will they not bite, but they won't even bark. Now, I, I do a lot of barking, and I get loud, and I raise my voice, but I'm not going to bite you, so don't worry. I'm not out to hurt you. I'm not going to physically attack nobody. I, that's, the Lord Jesus Christ does not want me to do that, and I don't want to do that. But when he called me to preach, he called me to preach. He didn't call me to come up here and go, oh, God loves you, and we'll all have a blessed week. I was telling the guy I was riding with this, work, this, this week at work, I was talking to the guy, and I told him, I said, I, I encourage you to open up your Bible and read it and show me a verse that, that's, that's encouraging. It's hard to find verses in the Bible that aren't just damning and condemning, and it's hard to get messages because God, all through the Bible, is, is reminding us, you're sorry, you're no good, and you need a Savior. They're dumb dogs. They cannot bark. They not only won't uh, bite, but they won't bark. And we need pastors, we need barkers. We need preachers to bark the truth. What does a dog do when he's barking? He doesn't like you, and he's warning somebody else about you. Woo, whoop 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 woo, 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 That's what he's doing. And when you have a dog, and you live in a house, and you hear that dog out there, woo, 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 you go, there's somebody coming up the dog don't like. And I better go outside and make sure I don't I like them. Amen. And if you have a dog that won't bark at somebody, that's a worthless dog. Mm-hmm. I know y'all like to have dogs. People like to have dogs saying so put them in their lap, and it's just little pets. And but see to me, a dog needs to have a purpose. He needs to be a barker. He needs to be a he needs to protect my family. Mm-hmm. He needs to bark and warn. And let, let his owner know, his master know. Hey, there's somebody up here that's not no, he's no good. And I don't like him and I don't think he's good. And we need pastors that bark out the truth and say, judgment's coming, repent. Repent, judgment's coming. I, I'm not trying to, I don't want you pet me. I'm not going to wag my tail at you. I'm going to bark at you. That's one reason, and that's my personality too, and that's one of the reasons why when I went down to Pensacola, when I went down to Dr. Ruttman's church, he's known, he's known as the dogs, he's known as God's junkyard dog. Roll, 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 roll. little bitty old guy he's about, he was about 4 foot 8 or something like that little bitty old guy but boy he'd bark we need barkers we need somebody who's warning people of the sin they're living in and the sin that's going on in their life and warning them that judgment's coming and that they need to repent instead we have these sissies in this, in the church that are either they don't have the courage, they're they're ignorant or blind, they don't have the they're not brave enough to do what the Lord's called them to do, and it's not it's not fun, it's not fun to offend people to get up here and preach the word of God because it offends me, and if it's offending me, I know it's offending some of y'all, and I've had I don't know how many times y'all tell me you're stepping on my toes today, preacher. And I thought, yeah, that's what I was doing. I was sitting up all Saturday morning trying to think of some way I could just step all over, Brother Ronnie Hoggett's told. You know. No, I wasn't. I, I don't, I, I don't, I'm not out to hurt you. I'm just out to preach the word of God. I don't go in the, I don't go sit in my office and say, okay, Lord, and pray and say, Lord, let me find out a way I can really hurt him. That's not how it works. You go down and you open up the Bible and say, Lord, what have you been showing me? Give me something to preach, Lord. Show me something out of your word I could give your people. Show me. That's how a pastor should do it. He should be barking the words of God. See, we, we need more John the Baptist. That that aren't dressed in a suit and tie, they come out and they got they got the they got the camel fur on. I mean the camel hair on, and they come out and they look rough. They've been eating locust honey, got the long old beard, they got the bushy old hair, and come out and and cry as one that's crying in the wilderness. Repent, repent. The kingdom of God is at hand. You better get right. But now we've got verse eleven. We've got yea, there are greedy dogs, greedy dogs, which can never have enough. They're greedy. Now, y'all don't need me to preach on that, right? There there isn't a person. I'm telling you, that's why we don't pass the offering plate at the church. It's because I don't know how many people told me, well, you know, your pastors, all y'all want is money. And the reason that has to come, you know where that's coming from? We do have pastors, that's all they think about is money. We do have pastors, that's all they do is preach about money. We do have those. I know a brother and sister that left the church in Brownwood, Texas because that's all the pastor preached on. It was money. It was tithing every Sunday. And they got tired of it. They're greedy dogs, which can never have enough. And they're shepherds that cannot understand. They don't understand. They're shepherds. They're supposed to be leading a flock, but they don't understand. They all look to their own way. And everyone for his gain from his quarter. He's looking after himself. He's looking at his own way. It's it's nothing about Bible way or God's way or the Christian way. It's his way. That's why you get all these weird cults, you get all these weird denominations, you get all these weird preachers doing weird things. uh, They get so weird, they say, we're non-denominational. So yeah, because there's not enough weird denominations for you to pick from. You have to make up your own weird one. Because you believe some of the weird... They're greedy. And we need more barkers. And this not I'm not talking about, we need barkers in any, every denomination. We need just God's people, including the pastors, just to stand up and start barking when they see something's not right. Stop sleeping. Some dog, slumbering dog, sleeping dog that's not taking care of the things he's supposed to be taking care of. You know, I preach all the time about the woman that uh, asked Jesus Christ to heal her daughter. And he says, it's not meat for me to take the children's. Uh, bread and cast it to dogs. He was calling that lady a dog, and that lady said, Yeah, Lord, but the dogs eat the crumbs off their master's table. What she was saying there, she was saying, Lord, I might be a dog, but I'm your dog. Just throw me a few crumbs. Beautiful. Wonderful. Only person to catch Jesus Christ in his words was a woman. That shouldn't surprise some of you men, amen. Was a woman. She's the only one in the Bible that caught Jesus' in his words. And, used them for, and, he, and he blessed her for it. And, and, and brothers, I, I'm preaching to you and I preach it this way. We are God's dogs, He's our master. And God, Jesus Christ, tells us, Are you my dog? It's like, Lord, I'm your dog. I want to be faithful to you. Wherever you go, you go. And if you're not here, I'm looking down the road waiting for you to get home. I'm your dog. I'm faithful to you, Lord. You're my master. And the Lord turns around and says, Okay, then bark. We need barkers. He's not asking you to bite. I'm not talking about physical anything. I'm talking about with your mouth. Sometimes you can say, that's wrong. They sure don't mind. The devil is so busy working. We need people to be barking and say, hey, hey watch out. Wait. No, that's wrong, man. Instead, they've got us beat down. And some Christians are scared. Well, if, if I do that, if I say that on, on Facebook, they might ban me on Facebook. Oh, it would be the most wonderful thing to ever happen to you. I'm not on Facebook, and I live a wonderful, happy life. And I don't know what you're eating. I don't care what any of my family's doing. I don't, I don't care to look at the shoes they just bought or, the, or what, they're on some vacation. I don't care. I don't want to see what they're doing on their vacation. It just makes me jealous that I'm not there. I live a wonderful, happy life. Say, well, I, I might get in trouble. I might lose some friends. They're not no good friends anyway. And I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm not trying to get you to lose everybody you know and love. I'm just trying to tell you, why don't you take a stand and be a barker? We need more. We need to wake up, and we need more barkers. There's a sorry uh, guy here. I say sorry because he is sorry. He wrote this book back in the late 90s. I, I, don't, I never even heard of the book, but his name was Joshua Harris. He was the pastor of Covenant Life Church in, in, in Gatsburg, Maryland. He wrote a book called I Kissed Dating Goodbye. And he wrote this book, and He's basically when he wrote this book in the late 90s, he was, saying, he was, he was part of the purity culture. Now, I don't know much, much about the purity culture. Purity, that sounds like a good thing to me. Well, now he's decided to kiss his faith goodbye. He went through a divorce, and he says, I need, I've undergone a massive shift in regard to my faith in Jesus. The popular phrase for this is deconstruction. The biblical phrase is falling away. By all the measurements that I have to define a Christian, I am not a Christian. So this guy just basically comes out and says, you know what? I know I was a pastor, but I'm not a Christian anymore. But he needs to repent of something. I've got to tell you I'm sorry for something. I have lived in repentance for the past several years, repenting of my self-righteousness, my fear-based approach to life, the teaching of my books, my views of women in the church, and my approach to parenting, to name a few. But he says specifically, listen to this, but I specifically want to add this to this list. To the LGBTQ plus community, I want to say that I'm sorry for the views that I taught in my book, And as a pastor regarding sexuality, I regret standing against marriage equality for not affirming you and your place in the church. And for any ways that my writing and speaking contributed to a culture of exclusion and bigotry. I hope you can forgive me. Those are dumb, ignorant dogs right there. What he's apologizing is for preaching the word. He's apologizing for preaching the Word. That's, what he's, that's all he could say is, hey, I preach the Word of God. I don't believe the Word of God anymore. I would respect him a lot more. So I want you to please, please forgive me. They won't forgive you. They're just going to turn on you and eat you like the, like the dogs they are. They won't forgive you. Now, the reason I'm bringing this up is because we've had this person email in the church. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, 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 Time for the news. We've got a response. Last time they sent me a little email about how I should stop condemning homosexuality, and I responded by they need to stop condoning homosexuality, and that was pretty much what I said. They talked about how King James was a homosexual and blah, 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 and I said it doesn't matter if King James was a fruity toop or if King James was a three-legged dog, whatever King James might have been. I'm not preaching the words of King James. I'm preaching the words of God. So I told her or him, whatever it is that wrote me, I said, you're not mad with me. Your problem's not with me. Your problem's not with King James. Your problem's with the word of God. You cannot get around that you cannot get around that the word of God says homosexuality is wrong. Instead of instead of condoning it, you need to condemn it. So they wrote me back a letter. And they go into this long rant about King James again and I told you and I've told the church and I told them in an email it doesn't matter what they believe about King James I could care less I'm going to skip over to all that and it says here you also likely believe that homosexuality is a choice and can be alleviated through conversion therapy I don't believe in conversion therapy I don't even know for sure 100% what conversion therapy is I be, I believe in conversion into Jesus Christ I believe in I believe in salvation in Jesus Christ he goes he says or he or she let me show you a personal anecdote. I can remember well the son of a family acquaintance who at 3 was assuming feminine affections. So this 3-year-old boy was assuming feminine affections. Years later he died of AIDS. Well, that's not a surprise. <laughs> Cuz that lifestyle, that's what it leads to. So if you have a 3-year-old son that's that's doing that kind of stuff, spank it out of him. It's a sin. You have a three-year-old son that's hitting another kid, spank it out of him. That's called hate. You have a a three-year-old son that bites another kid? That's That's called sin in that kid. You need to spank that out of him. Say, no, that's sin. That's wrong. Not all of us were biters when we were little kids, right? Not all of us were effeminate. Not all of us were stealers, thieves. I've been around a daycare for 12 years. Don't tell me how precious your little child is. Okay? Don't, don't start it. Go talk to anybody who's working in the Talk sister Holly. Come talk to my wife. She loves those kids, and she's a wonderful teacher. But don't, you're not going to convince teachers and daycare workers that all these children are just innocent little kids. Now, they are wonderful, and they're beautiful, and they're a lot more innocent than me and you, amen? But they are still born with sin. Now, they're not, it's not being held accountable to them according to the Word of God until they get to the age of accountability. But they've still got that sin nature in them that causes us to sin. And that's what I'm trying to point out. And they're saying, this guy, a oh woman, can you tell me a three-year-old is aware enough of his sexuality to choose becoming a homosexual? Well, no. I can't, I can't say that. No child can, no kids. That's why you have a parent there, to spank them when they're doing something that goes against, goes against uh, God's Word. That's what you're supposed to do, train them, right? Mm-hmm. There's too much empirical evidence showing that homosexuality is a genetic condition. There's not that much evidence. Homosexuality is not a genetic condition. So then uh, they go on to say, uh, now you'll be proud of me for saying this, and they say that they don't think it's right, that, there's tr- that a lot of people are being homosexuals because it's a trendy thing to do, and blah, blah, blah. And then it says, oh, it says that you asked if I'd be right if King James was murder or adulterer. And he says, no, I would not, because I, like you, believe murder and adultery to be sins. They just confessed that they didn't believe homosexuality to be a sin. And then it goes on to tell me how the King James is not superior to any other translations, and it's a bunch of nonsense. I don't have time to read that. And then this is how it ends. I, I was ordained an elder in my denomination over 40 years ago. Our son is the pastor of a 475-member mainline mainline Protestant denomination church in a major U.S. city. He considers his willingness to include rather than exclude to be a big part of his success. You will be successful in the world if you do that. Yes, you will. And I know exactly how to be successful in this church, and I'm not going to do it. I I just can't do it. I could do a lot of things. I've had people leave this church because of the stuff I preach. But it's not the stuff I preach. I'm preaching the word of God. And if they confront me or if you confront me, if you're out here this morning and you confront me, I'm going to quote to you scripture and say, this is what I believe about the Bible. And this is why I'm preaching it the way I preach it. This is what the Bible says. So they list a lot of these little, they do a little, uh, they do this little thing where they list a lot of the gay history and they give a lot of uh, quotes at the bottom of this email. And the point is, is they don't sign their name. And I can't, from reading the letter, determine if it's a man or a woman that wrote me. So I wrote them back. You know I had to write them. (laughs) You need to repent. At first, I thought you were a misinformed unbeliever. Now I realize you're worse than that. A Christian who doesn't believe in the authority of the Bible. Do you know I have never had a homosexual email me or call me to attack what I preach? Not one. Not one. I've never had a homosexual call me or email me or uh, confront me about what I preach about homosexuality. Not one of them. It's always stupid Christians. Dumb dogs that don't know how to bark. I told you it's going to be kind of rough this morning. That's the truth. I'm getting stirred up because these people are ignorant. Only moronic supposed Christians like you. Hmm. I, kinda, I wasn't very nice there. I decided to write you back a long response, answering you point by point. Halfway through it, I thought, I'm wasting my time. I can answer each point, but why bother? I'm too busy trying to save people from what you call genetic conditions in the Bible known as sin. The same sin found in one-year-olds and a hundred-year-olds. You don't want the truth. Your mind is made up. You're a cowardly, hypocritical moron. That's just straight out, right, I thought... Cowardly because you won't sign your name to an email, guys. I don't, I'm not on Facebook. I, I don't. How many times I tell you that? I don't like people attacking me. I don't care if you're attacking me behind a computer or behind a little phone. You see, they, they, it's like they think it's some kind of high school debate. Like, okay, now, now I'm gonna answer you back, and now you get your time to answer me back. It's like there isn't no debating, moron. This isn't a debate. I feel like you attacked me. This isn't debate. This is me defending my stance. Wonder I call them hypocritical? Because they're quoting the King James and saying that this and that about the King James, they don't, they don't know the truth. You and your son are what's wrong with Christianity today. Modern day Zedekiah is the 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 24. Y'all know what Zedekiah did in 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 24? Zedekiah was telling his, his king, Go down, God's going to give it to you, everything's going to be okay. And the king says, Do we have to listen to this guy? Is there anybody else that got, well, we got this other guy, Micaiah, but he doesn't ever preach anything good towards me. He doesn't like me. And the other, and Jehoshaphat says, We'll call him in here. Let's see what he has to say. So they go get Micaiah and they come in there and say, Now listen. Everybody's been telling the king, everything's going to be okay, so just, just, just be good, be good. And Micaiah says, I can only preach, what, I can only say what God gives me, the Lord tells me to say. So Micaiah comes in there, and King Ahab says, okay, tell us, should I go up to battle? And Micaiah says, go up to battle, the battle's yours. And Micaiah turns to Jehoshaphat, said, see, he won't tell me the truth. He knows He's lying. So Micaiah says, I see Israel scattered, and the shepherd's been struck. He basically prophesies Ahab's going to die. And then Ahab said, see, he doesn't ever preach anything good towards me. What the problem was, King Ahab wouldn't repent. Didn't tell what God told him. He wouldn't repent. He wanted to do what he wanted to do. So the priest, the prophet that was there, He was the one telling King Ahab, go up, go up. His name was Zedekiah. He comes over to Micaiah, and he goes, whack. And he just slaps him on the face. He goes, when did God's spirit go from me unto you? That's what they're trying to do to me. They're trying to smite me with an email, see. Trying to get me to shut up. You don't write an email to me unless you want me to shut up. And I'm not going to shut up. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to call you a cowardly, hypocritical moron. That's what I'm going to do. You might, why, 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 why am I going to do that? Because it's a free country and I can do whatever I want to do. And if y'all call me out on me and want to have a business meeting and, and vote me out, you have a right to do that, but I'm going to call them a moron. You and your son are what's wrong with Christianity today. I'm warning of the danger of sin and you're smiting me with an email. You're a coward because you have full access to my church info and hide behind an email without the courage to sign it. They got my phone number, they got my name, they know everything about me, but they don't even have the courage to sign something when they're attacking me. Bunch of cowards. The more you write, the more ignorant you come across about biblical history and Bible doctrine in general. That's why I call them a moron. You have, one, you have proven to me you're a biblical moron. Don't bother writing back. Don't bother writing back. I only delete your moronic emails and not read them, which is what, exactly what I mean. If they write back to the church, I'm deleting them and I ain't going to read them. Get lost. I'll see you at the judgment seat of Christ and let my Savior sort it out. And then I quoted them a bunch of verses. I quoted them, uh, You're of your father the devil. And then I quoted them, They be blind, leaders of the blind, and if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. I had fun writing that one. We need dogs to bark. We need people to be valiant for the truth. Look at Jeremiah. Look at Jeremiah, I'm closing here, Jeremiah chapter 9. We need people to be valiant for the truth. Look at truth, look at Jeremiah chapter 9. Now, I'm doing a lot of reading, but I, I, I wanted to get this stuff across. You don't have to believe what I preach about homosexuality or about any kind of sin, adultery, murder. You don't have to believe it, but you need to understand it is biblical, and you can't get around that. And, and what you have to decide, if you're listening to me, you have to decide, am I going to believe the Bible or am I not? And I talking just about, I'm not talking about a King James Bible. I'm talking about any Bible, any holy Bible, just about any translation is going to condemn homosexuality and all these sins that I keep preaching on. So it's not, it doesn't have anything to do with King James or any Bible version. It has to do with your sin. And if you're going to follow the Bible or not, Now, what I've been trying to show you is that we got slumbering Christians that aren't following the Bible, and they could care less what the Bible says. And when the government or their feelings or the society goes against that Bible, they pick society over the Bible. And we as Christians are always supposed to pick the Bible over society. Now, up in Dallas, which isn't too far from here, Brother Ronnie, there was a drag queen that became a Christian. He was a drag queen for 20 years. He said, then I found Jesus and I was set free. This is August the 2nd, 2019. This is a couple days ago. His name was Kevin Witt. He organized a protest against the Gwaller Park Branch Library up in Dallas. Y'all know where that's at? Ronnie thinks he does, maybe. It hosted a a story hour by two drag queens for little kids. They had two drag queens come in there and and, and read to little kids. So, this ex drag queen, he says, I was a transsexual prostitute and drag queen for 20 years. I used to perform in every drag venue in Dallas. I used to host my own drag shows for over 20 years. And then, about five and a half years ago, I found Jesus and I got set free. I wasn't looking for God, but a series of circumstances brought me to God. I was not looking for a change. I thought i listen to me. I'm reading him. Listen to what he says. I thought I loved being in that lifestyle. But God just captured my heart, and I just surrendered my life to God. And I was set free, and I came to Jesus. And ever since then, my life has been so much better than it ever was. See, that transsexual gives you the same testimony that I give you. That when I received Jesus Christ at 17, my life was changed and I've never been the same. Is the best thing ever happened to me. That's a transsexual's testimony. Listen to this. Whenever I was in the lifestyle, I was very depressed. I had to be drunk all the time. Wit was molested as a child, and then he said the therapist diagnosed him with gender dysphoria. Disf- disf- yeah, I can't even say the word. Basically, told him, "Yeah, somebody whispered it out there." Thank you. And told him he was just supposed to be a woman. That's what his therapist told him. This is I want to read this part of this. I want you all to listen. Wit, this guy that's ex-transgender, ex-trans- he says, he combats pro-gay theologians. Just like that letter that was I just read you. These people that say they're theologians that, write, that like wrote us at the church. He says, I fight against them. Who claim the Bible supports homosexuality. Wick calls the scripture the inerrant, infallible truth. Homosexuality, he said, is sinful. Listen to me. This is what he says. It's very, very clearly written. There is no way to twist scripture around it. Now there's the ex-homosexual, ex-transgender. You just pick the LGBTQTT whatever you want to put on there, and he'll tell you, you can't get around it. It's a sin. And we need people barking. That's sin. I'm not, I, I'm, I'm not out to hurt you. I, I, I'm not out to take anything away from you. I'm just telling you, your lifestyle is a sin. And the Lord Jesus Christ loves you and he can draw you out of that sin. Just like if it was a sin of adultery or murder or lying or thieving. We all have sins. We're all going to have to answer for those sins. As Christians, we need to wake up and stop letting society tell us and the devil tell us what to believe. And get back to what the Bible says and start believing what the Bible tells us to believe. And listen to the testimony of people who've come out of that lifestyle who said, yeah, I thought I was living it, but I realized I was drunk all the time. Look into the suicide rate of homosexuality. It's staggering. I think one time I read it it was like 40% of homosexuals commit suicide. If they don't die of AIDS... I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm trying to bark the truth. Because you're not getting it on TV. You're not getting it on Fox News. Jeremiah chapter 9 verse 3. Lastly, lastly, we need to be valiant for the truth. It's a time to be valiant for the truth, brothers and sisters. The Lord talking here says, They bend their tongues like their bow for lies. But they are not valiant for the truth upon the earth. For they proceed from evil to evil, and they know not me, saith the Lord. Amen. So I want to point out to you some of these pastors that are dumb and ignorant and not barking and preaching about uh, certain sins or not sin. It makes you wonder if they even know the Lord. Because I I, I'm not telling you I'm perfect, and I'm not sinless, and I do lots of sins, and I'm the first one to admit that. But I know they're sins, and I try to repent of them. I don't live in them and say it's a lifestyle, and God made me this way. God didn't make me this way. Adam made me this way. Because he was stupid enough to eat that fruit. And he passed it on to his son, his son passed it on to his son, and his dad passed it on to his son, and then my dad passed it on to me. That's why Jesus was born of a virgin. Because he didn't get that blood in him. That's why I say they're biblically morons. They don't understand biblical doctrine. Not one bit of it. But they want to write emails like they... And they talk like they know what they're talking about. And it stirs me up. Because they're ignorant. And they don't know what they're talking about. But they use all these flowery words and and, and and I want to point out to you that, that that letter, that person, whoever it was, man or woman or it or she or zer or whatever, whoever wrote me through the email, they did not quote scripture one time. Not one scripture. They didn't, they didn't smite me and say, the Bible says this and the Bible says that and I was waiting for it. I just knew they were going to write me back and say, judge not lest ye be judged. I was waiting for that one. I, I'm used to that one. Not one. And every time I wrote them, I hammered them with Scripture. Hammered them with Scripture. Hammered them with Scripture. Because if you're a Christian and you don't take the Bible as your authority, you're no Christian at all. I'm up here to tell you that. If you don't believe in the Bible and you don't take the Bible as an errant truth and you don't take the Bible as the Word of God, you're no Christian at all. I don't mind telling you that. You need to repent. I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm saying you're no Christian at all. You're worthless, because you're just like all these other Christians. Whenever homosexuality gets popular, then you go jump on the homosexuality bandwagon. And you don't care what the Bible says, not one bit. And now it's turning to where not only do they don't care what the Bible has to say, they're attacking me for preaching the Bible. Amen. I'm up here trying to bark the truth, and they're, they're yelling at me. You don't know what you're talking about. You're just hateful. And you're, No, I, I love these people. I want sinners to be saved. There's no doubt there's probably somebody in this church, this is a small church, that probably has dealt with homosexuality. Had dealt with that sin. I'm not against any man or woman, I'm for them. That's why I preach the gospel. It'd be easy to say, forget them, let them all go to hell. And I've thought that, but that's not what the Lord wants me to think. Dude, and you got people emailing me, I'm in these prisons. High security prisons. Men walk up to me. They have tattooed. They have their eyebrows shaped, and they have tattooed. They have tattooed eyeliner up here. And they come up to me and say, "I'm am a homosexual. I'm saved. I'm trying to break that sin. Would you please pray for me? I'm having I'm having to deal with that sin. Would you please pray for me? But I'm a Christian. I just need your prayers." I cry and weep with them and pray with them, just like I cried weep with any man in there that's dealing with sin. Don't talk to me about sin and what what is and isn't sin. That shows me you're somebody that hasn't lived out in the world and knows what sin is. You can't fool some people like me that lived in the world before I got saved. You can't do it. Go fool your mama. You can't fool me. We We need to have Christians and we need to have pastors that are valiant for the truth no matter what it costs them. And that's the problem. Why don't people tell the truth, Brother Keegan? Because it costs you. It's going to cost you to tell the truth. It will cost you. It might cost you friends. It might cost you family members. It's going to cost you. This Australian rugby player, his name is Israel Folau. Israel Folau. He wrote this email. He put it on Twitter. And he's a devout Christian. He's a real famous rugby player. Nobody in here, I doubt, knows who he is. I didn't know who he was. He wrote, and the email says, Warning, drunks, homosexuals, adulterers, liars, fornicators, thieves, atheists, idolaters. Hell awaits you. Repent. Only Jesus saves. Amen. Hey, that's pretty good preaching. Guess what? He got fired. He got fired for doing that. Now he's suing them. I'm glad he is. He's going to sue them. This is what he had to say. This is what it says. This is what... Fox News, very first thing they put on there. This Australian rugby player who was fired earlier this year for writing on social media that, that hell awaits gay people. I thought, I, I thought there was a long list I would read to y'all. Are you telling me that gay people are not sinners? Hmm. He says, I believe it's my duty as Christians to share God's word. That's your duty. That's what he says. Upholding my religious beliefs should not prevent my ability to work or play my club for my club or my country. Well, that shouldn't, but it's going to. And I'm, 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 I'm warning you. I'm wanting you to preach the truth. I want you to be valiant for the truth. I want you to be val- What's valiant mean? Valiant means courageous and brave. In the face of Unending ridicule in the face of unending mocking. You're going to tell the truth, and it's going to get you in trouble, and it's probably going to get people not to like you. Might even hurt you. Might even physically get after you. Uh, as a young teenager,s and I know when I was a teenager, and I know a lot of young people like this. They want to be unique. They want to be want to be different, and they know they're unique, and they know, they want to be different. Well. Yeah. I'll give you some good advice. You want to be unique and different than anybody else? Don't don't worry about wearing some different type of clothes or something. Just tell the truth. From the Bible, you'll be very, very unique. You'll be very, very unique and interesting. A very unique and interesting person. We need to be valiant to tell the truth. And in this country we live in, in America, there's no truth. It's fell down. But in Singapore, the truth's still getting out there. Singapore. The richest man in Singapore said the missing piece was God through Jesus Christ. This man is worth 12.1 billion dollars. His name is Philip Ing, and he said, "What I've discovered is that all of us are broken. We, have all, we all have a missing piece, and for me, I discovered that that missing piece was God through Jesus Christ." This is a billionaire. He says, I was always in search for a better life, a better purpose, a better me, a better everything. I was just looking at all the wrong things. But when I realized there's no better me or better things without Jesus. Amen. This is what he says. He says, they're glorifying wealth, exuberance, and excess, and Hollywood media polluting our minds with BS. This is what he says. We are too easily sidetracked and too easily derailed from the truth. And what is important in this life? What's important in this life is country, family, church, and liberty. Give me liberty or give me death. And Christians, if we don't wake up, we're going to lose the liberty even to proclaim the sin of homosexuality. And what's next? The sin of adultery. And what's next? The sin of thieving. What's all of them? They're all fallen. Some of y'all don't know this. Maybe because y'all, y'all don't keep up with this junk. I, I feel like as a, as a pastor I should keep up with this junk. Do you know what they're, you know what they're trying to promote now? It's not homosexuality. This is, that's way, way. They're won, they won that battle. They won that battle with homosexuality. That's way done. I'm one, probably one of the few preachers in America standing up talking bad against homosexuality this morning. They won that battle years ago, guys. You've lost that one, Christian. Don't even try to fight back. Just tell the truth. You think you're going to go into this country and and change things? You've lost that one. You know what they're at next? Pedophilia. And they're doing everything they can to promote that. Having sex with young minors. They think that should be approved. Some of y'all might not believe it. Take this pastor's word for it. Just look into it. TED Talks these different scientific talks they're trying to say it's like a homo- it's just a genetic condition you're just genetically inclined to want somebody who's younger and there's nothing wrong with that that's just a condition they call condition what the bible calls sin and we need to repent you don't need, you don't need a you don't need a pill you don't need what you need is you need to repent You need to come to Jesus Christ and ask him to cleanse you and wash you. And it don't matter what kind of sin or filth you've been living in, like this transgender, I didn't even read you the letter because it was so filthy. He described some of the things he's done. I think he did it just to shock value because people don't really realize the, the lifestyle of a transgender person like he was. He was talking about sleeping with five different men in one day. And Jesus Christ can deliver you. He can deliver you. He can deliver you from your adultery, from your murdering heart. He can deliver you, if you're a murderer or you have a murdering heart, He can deliver you from your lying, He can deliver you from all those sins and cleanse you and wash you and make you white as snow. And so I'm here this morning not only to bark that that, that there's sin in the world, but I'm here to bark that Jesus Christ is coming home. I'm the dog out on the porch and I see Him coming down that old dirt road and I'm getting up there and I'm wagging my tail, I can see Him. And Jesus Christ is coming. And I believe it's really soon. And I'm getting excited about that. Are you ready? Or is the Lord going to come home and pull up and find you sleeping there on the front porch? When you should have been coming up and barking. Because sometimes dogs don't just bark for warning. Sometimes dogs bark when they get excited. Heavenly Father, Lord, we're just wicked sinners, Lord. And, Father, we know if it wasn't for your book, we would think all these sins were okay. We would think lust and adultery and any kind of sin we do, Lord, we'd think it was okay. But, Lord, we thank you, Father, that you came down in your holiness. And, Lord God, gave us your commandments and told us and showed us the truth, Lord God, through your law. And showed us that we are sinners, that we are condemned. There, are, that there is a judgment coming, Lord. And, Father, I just pray, Lord, that... I, As we go through the rest of this service, Lord, as we give the invitation, Lord God, that you'll make it real, Lord, that there's a way out of that condemnation. There's a way out of that law. And it's through the precious blood of Jesus Christ that was shed on the cross. And Father, I just pray that there's somebody in the sound of my voice, Lord, that doesn't know for sure if they're going to heaven or hell, Lord. As we give the invitation, they'll come on down the aisle. And they'll come down and get saved, Lord God, and put their trust in Jesus Christ, Lord. And we thank you for the words you give us, Lord. Thank you that they're pure. And they hadn't been touched, Lord God, and we thank you so much for them. And Lord, I just pray for anybody, Lord God, that the person that emailed us, Lord, that you would, through your Holy Spirit, open their eyes, show them the truth. Lord, we're not trying to make enemies, Lord God, we're just trying to get the truth out there. And Lord, help us to be brave, help us to be valiant for your truth, Lord God, your word. And I pray in all this, in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Hello, friends, this is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3, verse 16, and most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, But he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. upon him